right. Welcome back to another podcast episode, Podcasts of Farming Assets. If you've joined us for the first time, fantastic. Welcome. We're excited to have you. If you like the content, give us a thumbs up. Feel free to subscribe and feel free to share us as well. Don't keep a secret and give this podcast a link to other friends, family, and colleagues. Again, this is all for you guys and feel free not to keep us a secret. Share this episode with everybody you possibly can. All right. Welcome back. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I feel like I've learned so much from our boys, Buffett and Munger, and going through the shareholder meetings and the questions. And so we're we're more than halfway through, and you've been great and, and sticking with me. And the whole point of this is to learn, to get better at what we're doing and find out from one of the wealthiest people for the last two, three decades in the world what he does and how they continue to improve and make more and more and more money. So let's continue. So as a reminder, remember, quick questions. These are pre-written questions that were submitted. And then we're going to go to an audience, a live question, and we're going to go back and forth. So we're now starting this episode at a live question from the audience. What is the outlook on the banking industry? This is a great question. And, and I think Buffett has a long answer, has an answer to this, and Munger will as well. And the reason being is, they they originally got started pretty big in the banking. Buffett has always owned fair amount of shares in banking businesses, which I think is very it's very wise, and because that's where capital comes from. Okay, and one of Munger's first ads to the partnership was Westcom, which is a bank in in Southern California. And they've continued to own shares of banks throughout the years. And so the key with Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway is access to capital. If you can remember that, access to capital, access to capital where you have the ability to to get to it, or you have a business that creates it to be able to use it. That is what cash flow is. There is no other benefit. There is nothing more important to a business than the flow of cash, which is what capital is. Okay. So as a business owner yourself, you need to have access to capital. Okay. You need to have that. So your cash flow can continue to flow. All right. So Buffett answers that. Fear is contagious always. We could just drop the mic right there. Right. That's the whole point of my podcast. That's the whole point of my YouTube channel. It's the whole point of what I do in my business model is to limit fear. Let's look at logic and then let the logic generate the emotions, not the emotions dictate logic. That, that doesn't happen. That's an oxymoron. Okay. So fear is contagious always. Historically, sometimes the fear was justified and sometimes it wasn't. My dad lost his job in 1931 because of a bank run. If you saw people lining up at a bank, the proper response was to get in line. We did something enormously sensible when we set up the FDIC in 1934. As many as 2,000 banks had failed in one year after World War I. Although there is a debt ceiling, it's going to get changed. Although there is a 250,000 limit on FDIC, the U.S. government and the American public have no interest in having a bank fail and have deposits actually lost by people. 
No one wants to take up my million dollar bet on whether the public will lose money if they have a demand deposit at a bank, no matter the size. We keep our money in cash and treasury bills at Brookshire because we keep $128 billion at the end of the first quarter. What did I say? Access to capital. $128 billion. Okay. Today, if you press the buttons, you don't have to get in line and wait for days and have the teller counting out your money slowly. You are going to have a run on a few seconds. First Republic was offering non-government guaranteed mortgages in jumbo amounts at fixed rates sometimes for 10 years before they changed to floating. The CEO gets the bank in trouble. Both the CEO and the directors should suffer. The stockholders of the future should not suffer. They didn't do anything. Well, they didn't do anything other than invest in a bank where the CEO allowed those types of loans, right? To your point, Mr. Buffett, know the business and what the business is doing. And so now if that information is not readily public, then yes, you're correct. And maybe it's not, I don't know. So Munger, I like it when banks did not do any investment banking. Depositors would will not lose money. Stockholders and debt holders, the holding company should lose money. People have been borrowing on 100% margin with commercial real estate. All right, so there's a few things that he's saying here that I think need clarification. Okay, now, first thing he said is, I liked it when banks didn't do investment banking. There used to be a rule, a regulation, that didn't allow banks to go into investment banking. Why? Because if you're a bank, you have access to capital, people's money, and you're putting it at risk in investment banking, whether it's their capital or your company, it's still putting depositors at risk, period. And if you didn't have that, depositors will not lose money, plain and simple. But stockholders and debt holders the holding company should lose money, okay? So that's what it's saying here is that people people shouldn't be held responsible for the regulations that are allowing banks to go into investing. They should be separate, okay? Now, the other issue is that people are coming in and borrowing 100% commercial real estate. Now, he says 100% margin with commercial real estate. All he's saying is that Hey, if I'm going to go buy a $3 million building, I'm going to get a loan for $3 million from the bank. And I'm going to find a bank that does it. So the bank puts the real estate as collateral. What does the purchaser of the real estate have as risk? Nothing. You think about it. All the risk is on the bank. So that causes an issue. And I think that's what, what Munger is talking about here. All right, let's go to a question by Quick. What do you think of the business models for the big banks as compared to the regional banks? Buffett, if you follow sound banking methods, a bank can be perfectly decent investment. We were going to buy banks until the Bank Holding Company Act of 1970 forced us to divest the one bank we had bought. Banking was more attractive to us than insurance. 
I've got my own money with the local bank, probably above the FDIC limit. I don't worry about it in the least. We do have a large investment in Bank America. I like the management. I proposed the deal with them. All right. So here's here's Buffett likes the 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 idea of banks and and really wanted to be in banking more than insurance. And and here's where it's because with banks basically you have capital that doesn't exist. It's all based on the Federal Reserve. They dictate what a bank has, if you think about it, which it's made up money. It's printed money. It's it's magic. Which, when you're somebody who wants access to capital, to put into good businesses to create capital, I can see why you want banks. It makes sense as, this, as the structure and the design of a bank. And you have depositors that give you money. You hold on to it. And you have access to getting money. Then... I can see that. But what I like about insurance, and I think what Buffett has has learned to like about insurance and has done a very, very great job of it, is there is a purpose to it. The, the risk is calculated based on events that typically are calculated. So auto insurance. There is more data on auto insurance, the type and age and gender of a driver and a car than any other other data. So you can predict pretty pretty, uh, clearly what your risk is going to be. Makes sense, that's insurance. Now with insurance, you don't have to pay out you don't have to put up any money unless there's a claim. With banking, if there's a loan, you got to put up money right away and then wait for that interest to come. Insurance is the opposite. You get premiums to pay for a loss. If there's no loss, you keep the premiums. And you keep the premiums until there's a loss. So you have access to capital to go invest in and buy other businesses until there is a, a loss, a claim. So banking and insurance are flip-flopped. And I prefer insurance because it's there's the data is, is more controllable. Now, I'm not a big fan of the banking system, to be honest with you. I don't feel like the Federal Reserve has done a good job to protect depositors. Banks have zero liability that they have to hold on to, meaning that they don't have to put hold on to any cash. So the reason being is that, you know, Munger said in the previous question, people are borrowing 100% margin with real estate. So is the banking industry. They're lending 100% with, without on, on margin, without any control. Because they don't have any, they don't have any protection themselves. There's no, there's no cash sitting in a, in a vault. So because they can't make interest on money that's sitting in a vault, Right. So there's some issues with this design of banking, but I think that the answer to the question was, there was no answer to the question other than he's comfortable with banks and basically saying that there's real no difference between a regional, a big bank, as long as as they're doing what's right for the management for the, the depositors. But he's not saying any of that. So I think it was a non-answer. Okay, question eight, 28. Audience. What does the audience have to say here? 
This is from a 13-year-old walking up to the mic. Good for you. Are we likely to face a time in the future when the U.S. dollar is no longer the global reserve currency? How is Brookshire prepared for this possibility? And what can American citizens do to shelter ourselves from the beginning of de-dollarization? Now, I'm not sure if this is a 13-year-old or a parent asking their 13-year-old to ask this. <laughs> Buffett answers, we are the reserve currency. I agree. Drop the mic. There is not going to be another reserve currency. Not in the current world structure. There would have to be a World War III, a World War IV to upend the current structure. And what will happen is they'll put the entire world into third world status. It's plain and simple. Okay. I see no option for any other currency. Nobody understands the situation better than Jay Powell, but nobody knows how far you can go with the currency before it gets out of control. Your best defense is your own earning power. The best investment is always yourself. So Jay Powell, Jerome Powell, is the Fed chairman of the Federal Reserve who runs the banking um, industry and currencies, uh, the U.S. currency, okay? Now, what he's saying is that he knows better than anybody, okay? He's, he not only has the finger on the pulse, he is the pulse, okay? But nobody has been in a position ever to know at what point will the currency get out of control, meaning how much leverage is out there without hitting a reset button. Your best defense is your own earning power. And the best investment in that is yourself. And I have to agree with this. Okay. So if you haven't heard some of my episodes on or have gone to my YouTube channel talking about de-dollarization, I think it's a hoax, to be honest with you. I think it is a, a, a distraction, a, a trend to create uh, fear. The reality is, is that having a reserve currency that is based on a country that is completely transparent and fluid like the U.S., it's... There, there's none like it. And that's that's why he said, we are the reserve currency. There, there, there is no second place. There is no second place. There is us or third world, third world status for all of us. Plain and simple. Now, the U.S. won't be third world status unless we're in a war and it, there's, there's nuclear issues. Then, yes, we will be in third world status. But in a traditional structure, I don't see us. Now, we can collapse from within. Absolutely. That could occur, which is what he's saying, is you don't know how far you can go with the currency and out of control and some of the things that we're doing. Uh, there, There is no other republic like our republic. There's never been a republic like our republic. Everything else is our monarchies and has been from the beginning to now. So the United States is the first in human history to have a republic like ours which is why we're the reserve currency, which is why people come here as the, the American spirit. So, all right, we don't need to go through an American history lesson. Next question is from Quick. The amount paid this year for the 41.4% stake in Pilot, this is a uh, gas station, values the entire company around $19 billion. Was it a big mistake to base the final price in 2022 earnings, which 
what has unusually high fuel margins? Buffett. We arranged to buy it in three stages. The third stage, 20%, being at the option of the owner. The first stage we bought at what turned out to be a very attractive price. The second stage turned out to be a very good year for the diesel business, which means that the seller got a very good price. Overall, we feel very good about the fact that we own 80% at the price we do. But we wouldn't, we would have been better if we had bought 80% to start with. The last 20%, the seller has the option. And that is always an intelligent way of structuring something. The new CEO is Adam Wright, who came from Omaha. He almost set the record, the rushing record for football at the University of Nebraska, just to let you know. He held three jobs as a student. His mother worked to put him through school, and it's a ratio Alger Square. That I don't know. The the part of the CEO to last that's that's cryptic. I don't I don't know. I, I'm I need some kind of decoding device to figure out what he just said. So basically the answer is. Hey, you know, the only way we're going to get this deal done is in three stages. And we still see this deal as a great deal, long period. The first part of this, the eight, the 20%, hey, we did really good. And and in fact, we did so good, we wish we had done 80% up front. Now, the other 80%, we still feel good about it, but we could have made more money if we flip-flopped it around. Well, that's, you know, in the last 20%, they're just sitting there going, uh, well... This may bite us in the butt, but hopefully, true to form, the business continues to grow and it has a long-lasting and future cash flow that that Buffett and Brookshire Hathaway will want and appreciate. So anyways, that's it for now. We're all done with this episode as well. So thanks so much for joining us and being with us. And until next time, you make it a great day. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. All right, welcome back to another podcast episode, Podcast of Farming Assets. If you've joined us for the first time, fantastic. Welcome. We're excited to have you. If you like the content, give us a thumbs up. Feel free to subscribe and feel free to share us as well. Don't keep a secret and give this podcast a link to other friends, family, and colleagues. Again, this is all for you guys and feel free not to keep us a secret. Share this episode with everybody you possibly can.